0: Says, Get that India, big boy. an ambulance. what a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! Hello and welcome back to an instant reaction edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host John, also known as 4020. Joining me the breakdown, the Easter Monday action is my good mate 60s. And it's the result we wanted in terms of the uh, the win or loss 60s, but the process, whoo, we've got a bit to talk about today.
1: Are you saying that the result was in doubt? It was never
0: in doubt. <laughs> never, was, ever in doubt. No, sir, no. I was well, very
1: relaxed watching that. What after the first,
0: well, at Orange's I was pretty relaxed. I thought the Eels, despite having lesser possession, uh, had done pretty well in the first half, and even that one try that spotted was on the back of their own error rather than the West Tigers really throwing anything at them. But, jeez. After that uh, halftime break, the Eels came out lethargic, but let's get into it, 60s. Parramatta Eels, 28, defeat the West Tigers, 22, on Easter Monday out at a core stadium. Parramatta notching up their second win of the season, and the West Tigers falling to six straight defeats for the Tigers' Stafford Toa. Well, here was that bye that scooped up that loose pass in the 23rd minute, followed by Asukapoa, Poa, Brent Naden, and Junior Tupu scoring for the orange and black, Adam Dewey going two from three on his conversions with the uh, Apicorosau, the dummy half, getting the final shot uh, at a try conversion and spraying it to the right. Luke Brooks did tack on a pretty good penalty goal, honestly, uh, from a offside from a short kickoff for the Parramatta Eels. Quentin Gufferson he started the scoring. I think I had Garfesson as my first try scorer. Uh, so, nice one to get there. Uh, Will Penasini, Bryce Cartwright, and a Mike Sevo double. Rounding out Parramatta's five tries. Mitchell Moses pretty sharp off the t 60s. Four from five, and the one he missed was off the uprights. Good to see Mitch carrying a bit of Rich Vane of form off the T after a slow start in that regard. But looking at the stats here, 60s, you'd be, I mean, I'm going to talk about why the Eels weren't good in general, but looking at the stats, you'd think they would have been smashed on the scoreboard. They were in nothing in terms of uh, the head-to-heads here. West Tigers dominating possession, 57 to 43% they were plus 8 minutes in time of possession uh, despite that both teams completing surprisingly well it didn't feel like that watching this game but the West Tigers out at 75% 33 to 44 Parramatta all slightly ahead 78% 29 37 not a stat that feels like it played true to the game but there you go and then like i said key attacking stats West Tigers they were plus 41 on runs uh, plus 550 in meters or up 150 post contact meters six line breaks to four Forty tackle breaks to eighteen, uh, plus six on the average, plus five and a half on the average set distance. Uh, they were 0.6 of a second faster on the average play of the ball speed three two three the three eight one. They had twice as many offloads sixteen to eight, uh, more passes, more dummy passes. Uh, about the only thing they didn't do better than the Parramatta was diffusing their kicks, and through that line dropout too being one of those. But they defended much better than the Parramatta Ninety point six three effective tackle rate. The is eighty four nine six, which is very concerning for the Parramatta Eels. They had a very ordinary game uh, when it came to the physicality. Uh, they made end up making less tackles than Parramatta by some margin there. It looks like uh, plus 76 for the Eels. Can I, no, plus 66 for the Eels, like if I can count. So a ton more tackles there for the Blue and Gold. Uh, Eels missing 40 to West Tigers, 18, making 23 ineffective, ineffective tackles The West, 8 out of 12. And then another crucial stat here, while the errors are very similar, 13 for West, 12 for Parramatta, and the penalties conceded were even at three apiece, uh, the West Tigers got uh, four ruck infringements going their way in their advantage for six against two, uh, one for the Parramatta Reels with one inside ten against the West Tigers, which was a sin bin last week. 60s in that same situation off a line break, and yet in this game it wasn't. So go figure.
1: Mate, I'm used to any sort of decision that's made in that regard there's no, there's no consistency. It's all about interpretations. As soon as we t- start talking about interpretations, you know you're gonna, not going to get any consistency.
0: No, exactly. It's going to be a nightmare on a game. It, not even game the game Within the same game, you can get different interpretations. So uh, that, that really, that was the first thing that jumped out to me in this game. I was on the phone straight away texting you. I was like, well, Will he got Symbian for this last week. And fair enough that Will got Symbian, I can cop that. But where's the consistency? So that obviously not in play here. Parramatta lethargic, second gear they were the first words that sort of came to my mind when I was reflecting on this game mate because they, they felt like they didn't get a second gear in this one, in the first half Mitchell Moses' boot was wonderful, pinpoint he actually matched a career high four try assists in a single game, uh, I thought he could hold his head, I mean technically five if you count that past the staff at Towa uh, but uh, Mitchell was very good in this game but jeez, Parramatta, just the physicality wasn't there this week, that was really really upsetting for me
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. It was almost like they were letting the West Tigers take the game to Mm -hmm, them mm -hmm. and, uh, and were simply responding. It was almost like they figured, well, the Tigers are the ones, they're going to make mistakes. And, you know, in the first half, that pretty much worked out to be that way. But in letting the Tigers continually bring the game to them, at some point there was going to be a risk. At some point, that playing, I don't know, it seemed like we were on our heels for a large part of that game. And if you don't take the game to your opposition, if you continually invite them to take the game to you, I think there's going to come a point where they're going to take advantage of that. Yep. And I think that's basically how the game plan yep. uh, played out.
0: Yes, sir. I mean, in the first half, Parramatta, they were behind on all those key team indicators in terms of possession and whatnot, and they managed to maximise their opportunities barring the uh, that one play which resulted in the West Tigers scoring. But in the second half, they, they neither played tough nor took their chances until the very end where Quentin Gufferson almost put the game beyond doubt. Uh, the, the West Tigers still had a chance after that following that excellent Luke Brooks penalty conversion. But, yeah, it was very, very frustrating. The, the forward pack... And it's funny because I can think of some players that played well in the forward pack. Ryan Madison and Jermaine Hopgood both had good stints there. Uh, But it was another quiet game from Reg. And maybe that's where it really starts when, you know, I know that Junior's not out there, so let's, you know, consider that first. But when Junior and Reg aren't there setting the tone, it feels like it sort of froze out the rest of the team. We saw that last week too. Reg had a quiet game against the Roosters. And here he is this game with nine runs, 80 metres. So I don't know if he's being paced by the team and they're asking other players to pick up the slack so we don't burn out you know one of the, the game's best props early on in the season, but he he and junior really are the tone setters of his team. So when they're off the pace, maybe it really impacts the team.
1: Yeah, well, I think it was noticeable just how much work Ryan Madison did in comparison. Yeah, is he was really responsible for a lot of the yields go forward throughout the match.
0: And crucial in that last I'm, try for Marcus Sebo too.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't know, it was, I don't think this was a case at all of the Eels being overconfident in any way.
0: No, they didn't play cocky, they played passive.
1: Yeah, that's right. It it was, and and that's probably a fair comment. Uh, At halftime, we heard the comments from Brad Arthur that he was concerned about the physicality. You'd mentioned, you'd messaged me about 10 minutes before halftime and said that the drop off in physicality was concerning. And And, lo and behold...
0: You have seen me and Brad in the same room, so we can rule out that conspiracy theory.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, look, it was was one of those games where, as I said, you just had to think to yourself that... Yeah, honestly, I just kept thinking that Parramatta had an expectation that the Tigers were going to make mistakes. And it wasn't so much that there was any disrespect there because... It was pointed out in the broadcast that the Eels were playing a very conservative brand of football. And, and I think when you're playing a conservative brand of football, that means that you're you're trying to minimise your errors. You're just trying to keep it as simple as possible. We weren't playing uh, any level of uh, touch football with them in any shape or form. and uh, But the thing was, we were giving them so much running room. Yeah. Like They were getting they were getting space to open up uh, they let, our edges They there. let Junior
0: Tupo get downhill pretty much every other run he had, and he took full advantage of it. Uh, the try that, I know it injured him, but the try that uh, uh, Brett Naden scored, uh, that was straight out of the Lockie Miller handbook right there, where you, you stand on your goal line and let him come at you. You've got to get off your goal line. So we, yeah. we were very passive. Uh, but like you said, it... it it was almost like a game. A game, not plan, because obviously that wasn't a game plan. But our execution was bereft of identity. Uh, we just not. We didn't go through the motions. We didn't really do anything. Like it was so neutral. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So well, and- well, obviously, not a big fan of how it played out. But in the context of our season, you know, getting the two points is important here, and psychologically, you know, they can just put this game behind them and say, thank you know, thank goodness. Two wins, four losses, not one win, five losses.
1: All I can say, just to reassure supporters, is that they didn't play the way that they trained. And what I mean by that was what looked like the apparent game plan was not how they played it out in the match. They There was a lot of energy in their training. There was a lot of physicality in their training it was almost as if they left that on the training track now don't get me wrong because it, there was a a similar level of physicality before the panthers clash at training and i came away from that and thinking okay they're they're up for this and i came away from training the other night with how they performed at training and it wasn't just it wasn't just the physicality at training it was a lot of the talk from the senior players, and letting people know what they had to be accountable for and what they had to keep the focus on. And I thought to myself, "No, no, their their heads are in the right space for this game. Like they realise the importance of this. They're not going to be taking the opposition lightly." <laughs> but as you say, it was almost like it was probably more so in the in the second half. Like the first half just felt strange. Yeah, it, it was it was one of those games. It, it was. You know, that like you said, the stats didn't seem to match up. That was like we scored almost at any opportunity, the and the only opportunities that we had. Like we it seemed like we were down there those three times and scored. And the only other time that we didn't score, we actually gave the ball over to them and they ran the the length of the field and scored themselves. Mm-hmm. And it and it was almost as if I won't say that it was too easy those tries that we scored, but they were executed, you'd have to say they were executed perfectly off the kick from Moses. And and that first try was obviously a
0: wonderful little uh, chord shot there with the entire spine linking together to create the try for Quinton Gufferson. So it's not like this was a game that had no upside. Like we saw some great play in the first half, but man, just could not get out of second gear in the second half.
1: Yeah, and I think a big part of that was... They really undid our right side in that second yeah. half because we we probably saw Will Pennacini and Hayes Dunster not have very happy games at all. Yes, out on that right and that, side that's dude, what leads in the me, second half
0: leads me to the conversation I wanted to have because we had three returning players in this game, obviously in Sean Lane, Sean Russell, and Hayes Dunster. And you know you sort of look post game and grade how they made their returns, and I think all three of them you could say had an error or two across all the performances. I know Sean Lane dropped the ball in the first half. Uh, Sean Russell had a a couple of... They they weren't faux pas, but you could just see his defensive positioning at times wasn't optimal, but he still made his tackles, which was good to see. Uh, And then with Hayes Dunster, uh, he worked his backside off rucking the ball out, but defensively, that was a real welcome back to first grade game, wasn't it? Where the speed of the game is that much faster than the New South Wales Cup, and he was caught out of position a couple of times alongside Will Penasini, who had one really bad read on the fifth tackle uh, that allowed the Tigers to score the first try of the second half, I believe.
1: Yeah, and it it was basically Hayes went from being super confident with uh, with the high ball to almost, it almost felt like he had the yips by the end. Yeah, he
0: caught uh, Dewey's most testing one over the back of his shoulder brilliantly, and then the one that Dewey miscued because Josh Hodgson put a ton of pressure on him, he got a real spook by and let it bounce and it bounced off his hand, a leg into his hand, leading to an accidental offside. So, yeah, I mean, it just shows you that jump from reserve grade to first grade is that big, isn't it? And it's a, a it, player that has been there like Hayes. It's not like he's a rookie, but it's been a long time between games for him and he was shaking off that rust.
1: Oh, absolutely. And we did see that in his first game back in New South Wales Cup, where even just the the pace of, New South Wales cup it, it took him a week or two to start to get used to that now i'm sure he's going to be better for the run but it was a really really tough return for him after uh, as i said i was quite ha- i was very happy with his first half but the tigers just they stuck to that game plan of getting the ball out wide didn't they mm-hmm. it, and it was it was a bit to their detriment in the first half. They were coming up with errors in keeping the ball alive. But ultimately with that level of possession and the amount of defense that the Eels had to do, they started to find the cracks in the Eels edge defense. And it was not pretty at the end. It was, we were sort of, you know, sitting at the edge of the seat. Yeah,
0: Holding on grimly.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And, I guess it's a measure of where the West Tigers are at that we only needed that one opportunity with possession yeah,
0: the switch with decent,
1: up, in decent territory. Switch to up a
0: drop out, do it short every other time, but then hoof it long and then get them on surprise. So, yeah, that was... A- well, look,
1: if you're a West Tigers supporter, you're probably feeling that that is typical of your season because Charlie Staines was catching everything Mm-hmm. But, and spectacularly so. And then, probably one of the easiest non pressured catches that he had to make just lost it. He just got it. He just lost it. Mm-hmm. He just got it all wrong. And he, he looked awkward with trying to catch it in that position. And it turned out to be basically the, the turning point late in the match. All the momentum was with them. If. If we had have gone short there, I think I would have lost the plot. To be honest,
0: because <laughs> well, yeah, we actually I had some good results of had, it today. But, uh, I know that, we, I'm, I a, know that we, I'm a big proponent of the short the dropout, but yeah, that, yeah, that, that no, was no. that was a good time to go long for sure. Yeah. Regar- regardless yeah. of the, uh, the the you know sort of uh, big outcome for us in terms of the drop over the sideline, that was a good time to go short. Uh, go long, sorry, and i uh, let your defense uh, air out that set, regardless.
1: Yeah. Now, look, I, I had no problem with the short dropouts throughout the game. But right at that moment, with all the momentum that they had, the la- I, I just felt, and don't get me wrong, I understand all the logic behind it, which is basically that, first of all, you're a 50-50 chance of getting the ball back. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you're defending close to the line. And, it's, and it can be almost a harder job for a team to attack yeah, from ten meters out than it is say from twenty or thirty meters out because the the defence is barely back ten meters if they're if the ball's being played ten meters out or less then the the distance between the attack and the defence is is minimal so it can be an easier job defending your line like that but. Yeah, I was so glad when the long dropout was coming. I was even even happier when it got the outcome that it did. But you can bet if you were a West Tigers supporter, you would have been looking at that and going, "Well, yeah, this is typical," where <laughs> you know. Whereas we were maybe thinking, "We, what do you know? We found a way to lose a game again." They were probably thinking, "What do you know? We found a way to lose a game," <laughs> and you know, it's you know, do you feel sorry for the West Tigers?
0: No, John. No, <laughs> I'm going to be brutally I mean, honest. Should. No, like as a Parramatta fan, we've been down the bottom, and no one gave us any sympathy. So, uh, you know, that's that's how it goes with sports.
1: I love goals preview, where he said one of his worst nightmares was either for that Lee Hadjipantelis or um, the CEO. What's Pasco? his name again?
0: Justin Basco. Yeah,
1: Justin Blasco to have a match day resignation.
0: Oh. Oh my god, yeah, and the West Tigers talk about lifting for a coach being sacked, lifting for an executive being sacked would be huge for them, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be the shackles coming off 100%. Yeah,
1: so we what do we take as a positive out of that? Let's let's try and take some positives out of that. The two points,
0: the two points. two points you can never you can never complain about getting the two points given how tough. Our first three weeks were with those, uh, you know, three run, uh, run three four point losses. You know, you you can never be bitter about getting two points. So very happy yeah. to have that. Even if it was ugly, you know, you you take those. It gives you a chance to build, and we now have do have a chance to build. Parramatta's draw opens up significantly now, and once again, you cannot take any of these games for granted. But heading into sort of that whole magic round run, the Eagles now look down the barrel of a game, a home game against the Bulldogs. A home game, or well, home in Darwin against the Broncos, which is obviously going to be a challenge. A home game against the Knights. Then you have the, the Titans away, the Raiders away, and then finally get the Bunnies, which obviously is always a big a big issue for us. So we'll talk about that when we get there. But there is a very good stretch for Parramatta to win some games now. And it all starts yeah, by well, getting the two well, points.
1: I, I had the question put to me from the fan base asking whether that was a win to be proud of and my response was basically that no it wasn't a win to be proud of but you don't have to worry about whether you need to be proud of a win or yep. not because you can be proud of losses and it and it makes yep. no difference to the competition table at the end of the day
0: it's a win to be pragmatic Once, about i think it,
1: yeah it's it's a win that gets you the two competition points it's disappointing in that you're getting no differential benefits from That sort of a win where other teams have been getting differential results. But right now, the main thing that the Parramatta Reels needed was a win. They needed to be able to go into the dressing room and sing the team song because there's some new blokes in there that would have very little idea about the team song whatsoever. And you just need to have that winning feeling that's there. Honestly, there is, from my observations at training there is a very good vibe that exists within the team. They don't seem to have lacked any confidence, any um, sense that they have a team that can get the job done in these first few weeks. So it, I, I just think it was important that they get that result on the field to justify how they were feeling about themselves. Um, looking at... At some of the individual performances today, I was, uh, you know, yeah, you have to say um, quite a bit about the defensive workloads there. Uh, Ryan Madison, 42 tackles, only two misses. Listen mm-hmm. to this, Bryce Cartwright, 40 tackles. Only two misses.
0: Another really solid game from Bryce, by the way. That was an excellent kick chase to score the try, a wonderfully timed run, and the, the run stats don't say he had a huge game, but they were tough. So, and he had opportunities to sort of fling the ball and look for the offload, but he didn't do it. And it just continues that theme of really good football from Bryce. So, a good game from him.
1: Yeah, Dylan Brown, thirty-one tackles, three misses. I I, I can't recall the misses. Yeah, I think I think
0: he might have some tough markers on the three miss right there. Uh, because he had a very good defensive game with some really crucial tackles.
1: Absolutely. he. he it was, whilst you wouldn't say that uh, Sean Lane had uh, any sort of match that he'd be writing home about, there was an obvious impact on Dylan Brown in having his head in the game yep. in that match. So, um, yeah... Looking at it, um, what do you feel about Jermaine Hopgood coming off the bench? Did did that work for you? I'm looking at his at his stats, and he's got 128 run meters. He's only got one offload there.
0: It was a good one, though.
1: It, it was a good one. Um, but you know, you're talking about a team that made what just eight offloads. Yeah. In the match, which given- is down on where we were sitting at around last season, around 14 offloads per match. So that sort of adds up to that eye test of us playing a very conservative Yeah,
0: I think given, given what we saw from the rest of the team in terms of the intensity and the physicality, I think mean, he did probably as, as much as you could have asked for him. He came on and, and did help the tempo of the game and had some nice runs back in behind the ruck. Uh I do like how that they, they use that configuration we spoke about in the preview about uh a short stint for uh Wiramu with Ryan Madison moving in the prop forward in that uh shift as uh, Hopgood came on. So I did like seeing that come out and Mado got through his work obviously with a, a big game, forty plus tackles, 160 meters, one of the best on the park. Uh but yeah, I was pretty happy with that. I thought that was some of our better plays there. Uh you know, and, and obviously in other games you're gonna get more opportunities for Jermaine to offload and ball play before the line. This is one of those days where it wasn't the opportunities weren't there. So I thought he did a pretty good job considering.
1: Yeah, I, I just keep coming back to I don't know that we won the middle in any in any time in any way in this match. I think the fact that we were so conservative and you pointed out that lack of physicality, it was something that BA pointed out as we talked about before at halftime yeah I, I just don't think that we we won the collisions today nope. which is which is something that it, the coach is always talking about and on the back of that we didn't see very much territorial advantage we weren't able to pressure the tigers as much as we should have it was we in the end we were letting them get out of their half just far too easily and when they stopped making the some of the mistakes that they made in the first half, we just made the job so much harder for our, ourselves. In retrospect, you'd have to say that had we not executed so well on those kicks in the first half, that might have been oh, uh, a yeah. rather... Yeah. Different result. Yeah. Result, yeah.
0: And yeah. Like, again... I- you talk about sort of week-to-week consistency, and we know that the ceiling of this team is sky high. We saw it last year. We've seen it this year in that game against the Penrith Panthers where we played with wonderful physicality and challenged a team that, like, they, they've, they've been back to their best the last few weeks, and that was including our game. So the Penrith Panthers, the, the back-to-back reigning champions, they're in full form again, and we beat them. We beat them on physicality, on execution. And we can do that against the best, but we come against teams like the West Tigers, and... It's not for taking them lightly, like you said, 60s. It's just that we, we get caught in second third gear, whichever, however you want to sort of scale it. We're just not playing anywhere near our best football. So, you know, the, the playing group just need to find a way to, I don't know, put it behind themselves or, or find a way to, even, even if you're lying to yourself in terms of motivation, because that's what a lot of, a lot of good teams do, is they, that's what players like Michael Jordan did in the NBA, was that they would lie to themselves about the you know, perceived slights or faults that their opposition made up about them that never existed. And in order to fire themselves up, I don't know, you've just got to do something to, to make these games less stressful for not just the, the fans, but for themselves. Like, you shouldn't be clinging on to a six-point lead with two minutes to go against the West Tigers after leading 18-6 to six at halftime. So, I don't know.
1: I guess the great, a great positive is that at this time last year, we were lamenting a one-point loss. Yeah, exactly. Again, against the team that hadn't won it. And you know what?
0: Maybe maybe that was the tipping point as to why we didn't win the grand final. And so winning the Easter Monday one this year means we're going to go one better. So, yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: let's hope so. But look, there's still a bit to talk about. We've got to cover our three, two, ones. We also want to have a look at the...
0: New South Wales uh, Cup.
1: New South Wales Cup Mm -hmm. result. Uh, But before that... I'm thinking there's got to be some things that you were thinking the refs can't be serious about.
0: I don't, I mean, I don't want to get started because it's such a week to week issue with this game. And, you know, guys that are meant to be the best, whether it's Klein or Cummings or or whoever, just making mind numbingly bad calls. And I already spoke about the real bugbear that got me straight away with that uh, inside 10 off a line break, which was a sin bin for the Parramatta Reels last week. And like I said, I, I can cop that decision. Just what happened this week? Get the
1: stinger, mate.
0: You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! So I I haven't got them written down, 60s, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some, but uh, there was a couple of shocking calls in this game. uh, Aside from the fact that another team becomes miraculously disciplined against the Parramatta Reals uh, and wins the uh, six-again count and goes even in the penalty count again, Uh, we had uh, Mitchell Moses being clearly, clearly, taken out off the ball after kicking ahead. Uh, we had John Bateman uh, lose the ball quite obviously. I mean, it wasn't the only player. There were a couple of players that lost the ball on the ruck uh, that uh, were were done for that. So, uh, yeah, just another sloppy game officiating. I'm probably missing some stuff here that you can chime in with, but the, the game is in a really dire state with the officiating.
1: Mate, I had a question put to me by one of our readers, and the question was basically... What are the eels doing in the way of wrestling and a wrestling coach, and why is it that we always have a slower play the ball than other teams?
0: Because the moment we and hold on, we get hammered. hammered.
1: That's that is the that is the absolute answer. First of all, that yes, the eels do have a a contact slash um, wrestle coach. I know they the teams don't like the term wrestling coach anymore, but they they have a contact coach that they do specialist work with and that's obviously part of what they work on there but the other thing that the Eels do is that they want to make sure that they are the best disciplined team in the competition and that worked last year. This year for whatever reason where the slower team would play the ball which we almost come to expect but yet at the same time there's fault that's found with the Eels and six games that get called and you've honestly you look at it and you go how is it that another team can be a second or more sometimes faster at playing the, the ball than us or in other words hold us up in our play of the ball mm-hmm. by by such a difference and yet they don't get pinged for holding down. I mean
0: and yeah, in, look, in, in it's this game straight. The other thing I just recall was in this game, multiple times the Parramatta Eagles were told to, they took time off and told us to come back and play the ball correctly on the mark. Yet when the West Tigers had that big surge at the end of the second half, Stefano Tokamano had a decent run, but then walked about three metres off the mark to take our markers out of the play, and they made a near line break of a ton of offloads that resulted in a line dropout, I'm pretty certain, on a, off a kick after that whole hot potato sequence. And it's just like, be consistent. You know, if you're going to police the eels to stay on the mark and be vigilant about that, that that's fine. But you've got to call it both ways. And yeah. toikamanu who was obviously a good young player, and he had that good run, but he walked a good three minutes off the mark to take the markers out of play and was allowed to do so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the couple that I question on is, first of all, it was obvious that Mitch Moses was taken out of the play. Uh, how the three officials missed that is... Is beyond my understanding because it was Alex Twile came across yeah. and just simply very obviously,
0: him over. very obviously, just,
1: just just knocked him over. It was one of the more blatant late challenges that you're going to see oh, on a player then, that's put a kick through. And
0: then when we had that good defensive down there goal line and they threw the ball into my they lost them all to my and it was called yes. six again. Like, come on,
1: yeah, yeah, that was that was the other one that I wanted to mention. Now we haven't had the benefit of sitting and going over the tape or anything like that. This is the where we are coming from with the instant reaction podcasts, is that we're we're giving you our takes without the benefit of any sort of review. But at that moment, unless for some reason the bloke's passing the ball and Sivo has knocked it forward. In when the fella's passing the ball, I can't see any way that that was anything but a lost possession. But, look, I guess the referees are closer. We're, We're making a comment without looking at it under the microscope. So in instances like that, I'm probably prepared to give the benefit of the doubt. But I can't give the benefit of the doubt on what happened to Mitch Moses because it was too blatant. Uh, and you've got, as I said, you've got all the eyes watching what's going on. You've got a bunker that's not tipping to them. And, okay, we don't necessarily want the bunker to tip, but how it's how it's been missed, as I said, it's just beyond my understanding. Well, I mean, a lot of weeks things happen that are beyond my understanding. Outside the mate, scope
0: so. of our knowledge, that's for sure.
1: So – Looking now, I think it's time that we have a bit of a look at the three, two, ones, and then a quick review of the New South Wales Cup.
0: Yes, sir. Okay, let's get into it. I'm going to go with the uh, four tries. This man, he had the golden boot today. Mitchell Moses was my best on field.
1: Yeah, I'm probably given that those four tries. If if he's not involved. We don't score them. So I have to agree with you there. He gets my three and that's points. Even
0: even with that blemish, obviously, with the Stafford Tower uh, scoop and score, but I thought that he was very physical. You talk about a lack of physicality. Moses was physical in defense, had a couple of really good tackles. Uh, the, the West Tigers tried to spot him up uh, in isolation, and he, he was more than up to the task. So very good game from our million-dollar man. And like you said, 60s. If you take him out of the equation, I can't see the Parramatta Royals winning this one.
1: And that's really how... I think uh, we spoke about this before in trying to allocate three points. You think who, if someone didn't play, would we win? And this was one of those matches where you could very, give a very clear decision in that way. Mm-hmm. My two points, and I think this person gets it almost on the same basis of would we win without this player involved? And it's Ryan Madison.
0: Yeah, easy. Uh, I he think it's the two. I think these are as, as a straightforward of three and two points as you're gonna get. Uh Maddow was tremendous, tasked with playing I mean, they're very similar roles, but tasked with playing lock and prop in this game. Uh he went for seventy three minutes. Uh and really you talk about once again the physicality of lack thereof. He was one of the few Eels to bring the physicality. He ran the ball hard and tough, uh, defended really well and was still fresh enough to make a big play when it counted in the final ten minutes of the game.
1: Yeah. The one point gets a bit harder. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying now to split Clint Gutherson and Bryce Cartwright with this one. Uh, I thought Cardi's defensive workload was outstanding. And, but again, Gutho, I come down to it and do we win the game?
0: The dropout and the try assist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, big boys.
1: Yeah, so I probably have to go with Clint Gutherson getting the one point and an honourable mention to Cardi.
0: Yeah, honourable mention to Cardi I think is fair and a, a very light but still honourable mention to Sean Russell for mine who was playing in his first game at centre in the NRL and I thought, all things considering, did a really good job coming back from a, a reasonable layoff with that shoulder injury. So, yeah, good, good to get the win. It was not pretty and uh, like we said, plenty of gripes and qualms about the game within the context of those 80 minutes but... You can bank those two points, put the game behind you and get on to working or prepping for the Kennery Bulldogs in round seven.
1: Yeah. So, um, and just just having a look at the the uh, fantasy points that were allocated and see how that runs with us. It's uh, Mitch Moses getting the, the most fantasy football points mm-hmm. and the uh, Ryan Madison second, Bryce Cartwright third. There you go. Ahead of not, not, um, that,
0: not that we ever judge our, our best on field based on fantasy, but it is always interesting to see no. the correlation there between the two. Uh, and with the win, 60s, the Eels find themselves in 14th place at the conclusion of round six. Two wins, Woo-hoo! four losses, negative 13 points differential. Uh, they're hot in the heels of the Sharks, Bulldogs, Dragons, Rabbitohs, uh, who are all, well, the Sharks are on the same points, but the other three teams are on one win or two points ahead of them, depending on the buy, uh, with the top eight being... Uh, win and a half ahead with the Seagulls and Knights uh, sort of holding down eighth and knife there with that draw they had the other week. So, I mean, it's funny. Like, you know, one win and suddenly you're back in the hunt for the top eight. Not like you are ever out of it. But, yeah, it's nice to get a little bit of traction. You know, and obviously it's not the result you're going to talk about taking momentum from, but the two points means you can build from it. So you bank those and move on to a pretty good stretch of games coming up. So... Starts with the Bulldogs in round 7, That's Sunday out at Combank Stadium. Of course, we're going to preview that later in this week and then be there on game day, uh, which we always will let you guys know about once we have the details official. But yeah, good to get the two points. Not great, not great performance, but I think we got out of that unscathed in terms of the injuries, which is not as uh, not what we can say about the Tigers because it's being confirmed while we've been recorded 60s that it is an ACL for Adam Dewey, which is just awful. Literally just coming down from catching a bomb, or uh, sorry, a dropout and he uh, just landed on that left knee awkwardly and, and did his ACL, and um, Brent Naden, I think, for Collarbone, so a rough day for the Tigers in terms of injuries, and you just send out some real heartfelt commiserations for Dewey because, like Guffo, he's a bloke that's done that knee a couple of times now, and it's absolutely brutal. Yeah,
1: and you that's the thing about Rugby League is you don't want to see players from any team having injuries, let alone repeated injuries that they've maybe suffered from in the past because they only have a short time in the game and not only is it is it bad for their, their current day of playing, but you know that when they get repeated injuries of a, of a particular type that it's probably going to haunt them in later life as well, whether it be you know, knee replacements yeah. or hip replacements or whatever the case may be. It's a brutal game that takes its toll on the players and yeah, you just don't want to see that sort of thing happening. So, I see. Uh, mate, the New South Wales Cup.
0: Well, do you know
1: what was there? Was there a, a similarity?
0: There was a. It was a cursed day, wasn't it? In terms of the quality of football, uh, like you said, is there a similarity between the two games? I think so. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I, I wouldn't say that we were we were passive in. Our approach to in that New South Wales Cup game, but it was a game that never really reached any great heights. And I think, really, it was interesting that I wrote the spotlight post on Jake Arthur because I think it would be fair to say that if he wasn't playing in today's game, they yeah, don't he, win.
0: He, the young playmaker probably you could say put the team on his back in a very ugly encounter, and you would be hard pressed to think of a, a double header at the Eels clean sweep you come away feeling more non-plus by because <laughs> both teams, they, they banked the two points, importantly, but, jeez, some ordinary football was played between the 160 combined minutes of footy. In this contest, though, 60s, the Parramatta Eels won out against the Western Suburbs Magpies 10-6. to Jake Arthur, you already mentioned him, but he opened the scoring in the 8th minute with a solo try, followed by Matthew Komalafi in the 48th minute. Rua Ngatakura, uh he scored from short range in the 45th minute, borrowed over from dummy half, I believe. Uh, Rankin went one from two, missed the throw over from the right, but nailed the one from the sideline, go figure, uh, with Brandon, ha- Brandon Wake, I'm sorry, going one from one. Uh, and this is a, the case of the stats being reversed here uh, with the Eels ahead in most key stats. Possession favoring the Bloom gold, 56 to 44%, uh, plus seven minutes in time possession. They Both teams, it felt like both teams completed really poorly, but a good first half of completions to the Parramatta Eels, I think they were at 90%. Set them up for a 73% overall completion rate, which shows you how much they dropped the ball in the second half to go from 90 to 73. Uh, But the West Tigers at 53%, obviously very ordinary. Eels with more runs, more run meters, more post-contact meters. They're actually behind in line breaks, 5 to 4, and behind in tackle breaks. So the West Tigers being a bit more explosive with their offense, but not converting efficiently. Uh, Play the ball speed for the Eels, 4.25 seconds, 60s. So I don't know if that was recorded properly or the Eels were that slow. Uh, but again, the Tigers were twice as many offloads as the Eels, 16 to 9 or close enough. Uh, but uh, Eels, again, the better defusing team when it comes to kicks. Uh, both teams defended pretty ordinary, but the Eels were the worst team there in terms of effective tackle rate. Uh, but the Eels slightly more disciplined. So in terms of the team stats, it was actually quite a similar tale of the tape uh, across a few interesting key performance indicators there. In terms of the individual stats, those 60s uh, had a big game from Isaac Lumi Lumi, 180 metres, uh, you had Ophie Ogden being uh, pretty solid in the middle. He had 122 metres and a couple of crucial tackles. Kai Rodwell, 146 metres. Matteo 152. Dury, 124. Moretti, 130. So all the starting uh, forwards getting involved there nicely, even though there were some errors split across that platoon. Uh, in terms of the individual players, obviously Jake uh, heavily involved scoring that solo try and being involved in that Matt Komalafi try where he... Uh, Dejan, Arcee and Matthew Komalafi all played really nice parts. Jake with the double pump and then good feed to Arcee who split the gap and a uh, basketball pass to Komalafi who uh, did a great job getting low and then reaching out to take out the defender's ability to impede him to the goal line. But yeah, very, very messy game and uh, not one that either team or either coach would be very happy about, especially considering that the Tigers butchered a try in the uh, late in the game where... Uh, I wouldn't say that he he made an incredible defensive play, but Jake Arthur's refusal to give up on the play, uh, potentially helping jolt that ball loose down the right edge.
1: And that's, I guess that's a mark of a player that always stays in the game. Like if you stay in the game, if you chase, even if it looks like it's forlorn, if you just do find something in an effort that makes the opposition's play that much harder to complete even if it's only marginally and that comes back to a try is certain you chase back to keep the player out wide or a player's looking to put the the ball down you make sure you're getting there to make them put the job of putting the ball down that much harder just just those little effort plays or you never know where it can come in handy like a chase back to force someone out wide. If the conversion's missed, you don't know if that two points is going to come into mm-hmm. the equation at the end of the game or not. But yeah. if you just keep doing it, like two points saved is just as good as two points scored. And in that instance with young Jake, it was four points saved in in getting back to make that last-ditch tackle and jolt the ball loose. So, um, yeah, but I oh, I'm going to give uh, 3-2-1 in this match, mate. Uh, We've just been talking about Jake Arthur. I'd give him the three points for this. I thought that Dejan Arcee had a very, very solid game Back fullback. He talked about it was a bit his first time he played fullback in some time and that there was a lot of running that he had to get used to. And I still thought that his positional play back there was absolutely spot on.
0: And he can spring an it off on it, too. He's uh, had some good post-contact or, or ability to break free of post-contact uh, opportunities there. So, yeah, I really liked what he brought to the back. It was understated, but uh, quality. And like you said, first game back there. And also the other thing they mentioned commentary was, uh, you know, the fact you can probably slap a seal in front of his surname because he did some classy stuff when he was rehabbing from injury in terms of helping the community with the, the people that suffer from the floods. So good bloke on and off the field, it looks like.
1: Yeah, he looked very composed in the performance. He looked like fullback was his usual position. And, yeah, gets a gets a real big tick from me. I thought that that was arguably his best game since joining the club. And I know that he's had those injury concerns, and uh, but easily his best game uh, for the Eels in, in the short time that he's been with us. The one point I'd probably go for Luca Moretti. I thought that he was very solid through the middle. And he's continuing what I think for him is a very solid vein of form that he's found.
0: Yeah, I think that one point could have gone to a few of the forwards there. Uh, like I said, Ogden had a really nice defensive play at the end to save a try. Uh, Rodwell was busy. Uh, Tony Mattielli was busy too. Uh, and Matt Dury, uh, I thought, really warmed into the game in the back half of it. But I'm happy if Murray getting the one point as well. And I suppose, speaking of Dury, the last order of business for the New South Wales Cup game is talking about the two NRL players that dropped back and there's some good and some bad, I think, 60s if you're not going to sugarcoat here. I thought Matt Dorey worked his way into the game. Um, he wasn't given a whole ton of opportunities to get downhill early in the contest and, and really impose himself. But late in the game, you saw that NRL conditioning, that NRL physicality shine through with some really powerful runs uh, in the West half. On the flip side, though, uh, Wonga Blake looked like a man shot in confidence, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he did. My comment on Dury is I thought that just about every carry that he had, he made, he, he put questions to the defense. Mm -hmm. He challenged them to be able to bring him down. And there was, and then as you, you spoke about in the later in the second half, there was the one carry towards the end where he centered the ball and it was I mean, it was a powerful with, run with interest.
0: That he yeah, he he went looking for contact and delivered it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I don't want to put the boot into Wonga. I I just think he is playing completely without confidence, and it showed up in in that game as well. So it it I don't know. It was just that he was you're probably it was, it was looking a... for something a bit more from someone who is as experienced an NRL player. And it was well, the full yeah.
0: full gamut too of over, sorry, uh, shot confidence where he was over eager in the first half. You know, he was trying to get involved, but to his own detriment, you know, he was tried to lead a kick chase, but was offside, uh, tried to run the ball hard, but wasn't securing the ball in his hands first. And then once that happened, as you know, if Wonga gets inside his own head. So uh, yeah, and he also had a really nice pass caught back that was for, like, ruled forwards, but I don't think it was that Lumi, Lumi couldn't go on the finish, so it was a moot point. But, yeah, I don't know what you do here, Sixties. You just give him another chance in this reserve-grade team or do you give him some time off to reset mentally uh, because there is no doubting his athletic ability, but uh, he is a man that is just running on fumes right now.
1: I think the unfortunate thing for him in terms of whether he gets a rest or not is that there's injuries and a, a shortened roster as well at the Eels, so they probably can't afford for him to have True. time True. out of the game. But yeah. I think that would be ideal, and we know from in the past that class players like Brett Kenny were given time out by Jack Gibson. Mm-hmm. He's he told the story of, well, you know, you're you're going to have a bit of time out this week, and no, I don't want to have time out, Jack. Well. So either have time out, or go and introduce yourself to the reserve grade coach. Okay, I'll take the time out. <laughs> <laughs> so it it's we we've now seen that Wong has been put back to New South Wales Cup. I think it's just a matter of he needs to spend a bit more time there, and let's hope that it starts to come good for him. Mate, can we also talk very quickly about the Jersey flag result? Yeah, this weekend? of
0: course. We were out there at Lidcombe Oval. Uh, and what looked to be initially going to be a very, very wet contest with the rain coming down ahead of kickoff, but it dried up, and while it was greasy on the field, it was a pretty high-quality game considering the Eels have been on a tear in this grade 60s, and it was no different this week in round six, making it four on the trot uh, as they accounted for the West... Well, it is West Tigers in this grade, sorry. The West Tigers, 34 to 18, very comfortable, and that could have easily been 40-plus uh, points for the Eels if a couple of conversions had gone in. Uh, and yet again... A case of just really strong team football. Uh, the Eels actually had to battle a number of reshuffles in this game. Uh, they had injuries in the back line, injuries in the halves throughout this contest and just absorbed all that in sort of, I say internal pressure. But, uh, you know, the injury pressure and managed to stand tall. Uh, I thought that the forwards were really strong here. Again, those starting middles, Brock Parker, Jonte Junior, Beth Mesa and Nicholas Lanars, all really strong. Jock Brazzle, Max Tupo, very busy. Off the bench, uh, like the work of Nikal Raffor and Noah Reed again, Damian Nati made his debut as the uh, sort of emergency utility, and he got thrown into this game and uh, looked really, really comfortable. Uh, ended up scoring a try, setting up a try or two, so good game for him there. And in the back line, the Eels, it was chaos, wasn't it? Because we had Bo Newens and Terrell Williams uh, succumb to injuries, so we had uh, back rowers playing centres. We had, uh, I think, Nick Lanars was in the centres at one point, uh, so we had dummy halves and lock forwards playing in the centres. The Eels just did a a tremendous job absorbing all those uh, question marks and delivering the answers with an exclamation mark.
1: Seven tries to three was a fair reflection of the difference between the teams. You also had a fairly high completion rate from the Eels. They are playing very well as a unit. They are playing with confidence. They followed the coach's game plan well. The probably the only disappointing aspect was that they ended up with a couple of players nicked up yeah. a bit out of this game. So, yeah, the winger Bo Newlands who uh, copped a bit of an injury. We saw a late injury to Brock Parker, and he's probably been one of the most consistent performers in this team for the season. So, uh, not too sure how long he's going to be out for. It's um yeah, it looks like a, a, he picked up a knee injury late. So if he's if he's picked up a minor knee injury like an MCL or something like that, you're probably looking at anywhere between four to six weeks. You talked about the form of Noah Reed. Uh, I mentioned him before with his performances uh, getting better for the Eels each week. He's a big unit. He's about six foot five. He's mobile. He's been coming off the bench, and may well be that he'll get a, a starting spot. Uh, Three, four weeks down the track, you might see some of the SG ball players that become part of the squad. Well, you will see Parramatta SG ball players become part of this flag squad. But they're in a situation where the players that are there at the moment are getting the job done. And I guess where there's some highly rated SG ball players, the expectation will be on them to win the spots.
0: Yep, 100%, because... It wasn't an incredibly fancied roster on paper for the jersey flag coming into this season, but they're showing the uh, value of good coaching and good player discipline and how, how far that can carry you. You know, they're getting through their sets, they're getting to their kicks, they're sticking to the script and playing good team football. So suddenly where you say there were a few spots on paper at the start of the season, you say, yeah, I'll promote an SG ball player at the completion season. Don't think about it. I think there's going to be, like you said, a lot of competition for spots and the guys coming up are going to have to earn their stripes. So really, really good reflection of what Craig Brennan and the boys are doing in this grade. Another player I want to give a, a shout-out for for some uh, cerebral football was our Raffle 60s, who are uh, a big man off the bench, but uh, he knows when to affect the one-on-one strip. So he had one uh, that he got and nearly another one that he managed to pull off, and then he ended up slotting to the halves amidst all that chaos at the end of the game. So uh, a lot of boys showing that they've got a pretty uh, expansive skill set and the ability to uh, play through, not chaos, but... Uh, adverse conditions, so really, really good team effort. Obviously, Mac Pill Fissey at halfback's been really good as well. Uh, yeah,
1: Mac's um, about Mac; would be one of the biggest halfbacks you'd ever see because he's about six foot four, and he's and he's a solid unit yeah. as well. So he he's we spoke about it on Good Friday. He, he's probably bigger than the back rowers.
0: Yeah, he he is a, a tall, well-built lad, and doing a really good job steering the team around the park. And then you got that nice little tandem at dummy half between Jacob Davis and Nicholas Linares. Uh That's working really well for the Eels as well. And, you know, we always mention, but Jock Brazzle really leads from the front from this team. Uh, and, you know, I always say he plays with his hair on fire, and that was no no different this week. He ended up bagging a try off a nice uh, kick chase. Uh, so good to see him uh, get some rewards for his efforts on the scoreboard. Uh, but, yeah, the physicality that he plays with sets the table for this team. And that like, It goes back to what I was saying with junior and red 60s. You know, when your best players play with that physical edge, it, it almost sort of picks your team up and drags them with them. Uh, so need to see that from the Eels moving forwards in first grade. Getting junior back next week is going to be huge. But to his credit, uh, Jock is doing just that in the flag.
1: Well, he's one of those players where the opposition knows that he's in the game. Yeah, yeah. yep. It, it, they, they'd be feeling the bumps and bruises from his participation. So... And that's one of the I, – I think that's one of the, the strongest ways that you can assess the impact of a player in the team is that the opposition know he's there. So at the, made, uh, uh, that that wraps up three out of three.
0: Yeah, so we got yeah. the clean, we got the clean sweep. There was no junior reps this week. All three senior raids winning. Only one winning convincingly, but you still bag those uh, two points in the cup and the NRL. So at the conclusion of the round, we already mentioned where the Eels lie in the NRL, but – for the flag and the cup, they both finished round in fifth place. So inside that top six, I believe it is, in these grades now. Uh, and a uh, you know, chance to build nicely as the season sort of turns past the first quarter of play.
1: And it should be mentioned, too, that both of the lower grades started the season with two losses.
0: Yep. So both and teams it- been undefeated all across the last month. Four wins for the flag, three wins and a draw for the New South Wales Cup.
1: And it's, I think it also points back to how you can have a match where it's maybe on paper it doesn't look like it's gonna be a an important game as such or, or or an inspirational game. But when the Eels played the Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles in the New South Wales Cup and the Sea Eagles in Jersey Fleg, in both games they had to come from behind. Yep. And in both games it's basically provided the impetus for those teams to go on unbeaten runs since then I think there was a lot of confidence that both of those sides took out of those wins because it was in adverse circumstances there wasn't a lot of calls that were going their way the opposition seemed to be well and truly on top and they just battled and fought and scrapped and scraped and found a way to win those games and they've gone on with it since then so let's hope now that the eels nrl team have they battled and scraped against a team that they were expected to win convincingly against but let's hope that it leads to them stringing some games together just like the lower grades have done
0: here here and that's why you always want to bank those two points because you never know what could be the catalyst for a big run so eels getting the job done in the nrl today on easter monday with the cup and flag doing the same prior which means, like we said, all three senior grades getting the wins. So nice to have the clean sweep across uh, flag cup and NRL. And we move on to round seven, uh, where we take on the Bulldogs in the NRL. And then in terms of the cup and the flag 60s, we have the, uh, pull up the cup here, we take on the Bulldogs as part of a double header there on Sunday, 1.30 uh, p.m. kickoff in the New South Wales Cup. And in the Jersey flag, it is the dogs as well. But this one's at new era, 3 p.m. kickoff Saturday. So a big weekend of football there against the traditional rival, and we'll bring you all that coverage during the week. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. Make sure to check out thecumberlandthrow.com for all your post-game uh, round six action as well as your round seven preview action. There's going to be plenty of coverage this week. And 60s, I'll let you take us home.
1: Go you wheels.